When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody. The second episode of the Announcer Schedule Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Phil DeMolin is with me, as always, from the Announcer Schedule Twitter handle, the voice of Announcer Skeds, as he's back for episode two. You came back, Phil. Welcome back, man. Yeah, can't wait for episode number two. We've got a ton to talk about coming off the big uh, Memorial Day sports weekend. Yeah, don't forget, you can find us on the Sports Media Watch podcast feed, Apple, Spotify, Google, like, share, subscribe, review, message us, let us know things you want us to talk about. We've got NFL, NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball, motorsports, uh, some soccer. We've got our favorite calls a local, national, you name it, we're on it. Uh, we've got some good calls later on in the program today, so uh, hang in for that. Uh, we also uh, will be catching up with some guests down the line, Phil. We've already got people wanting to be on the announcer schedule podcast, so uh, you can hang in. We uh, maybe even tease that for you. We know um, Sports Media Watch, uh, which drops on Wednesdays, and uh, Tell Us a Story You Don't Know, uh, that drops on Tuesdays with George. He had a great conversation with Kenny Albert. You'll hear something from that. Uh, Kenny Albert, of course, is calling the NHL. So we got all that and more this week on the Announcer Schedules podcast. But let's start in the NFL, where it's now official, Phil. Uh, we now know who the number one broadcast team will be for Fox. We don't know how long, uh, but we know who it will be calling the Super Bowl this year. That's right. The official announcement uh, came out this week. Greg Olson will be the game analyst with Kevin Burkhart, Aaron Andrews, and Tom Rinaldi, the sideline reporters for the number one Fox NFL team. Biggest games throughout the regular season, through the playoffs, and then the Super Bowl. Uh, We're still, it's a wait and see, of course, with Tom Brady, you know, upon his retirement. You know, uh, now you think there's a chance the, that Brady could be in the mix if they get eliminated or don't make the playoffs? Yeah, we, we talked about that a little in the first podcast where, you know, the initial announcement said Brady would immediately, you know, join the number one NFL team on Fox upon his retirement. You know, when that retirement is, we don't know. I mean, hey, it could be a, a, a more than one season away. Hey, let me ask you this. Let me interject this. Do you think there's a possibility if Olsen does well, it could be a three-man booth? Um, I guess it's possible. Sure. You know, um, absolutely. And and I would imagine if Brady's available for this year's Super Bowl, perhaps a three-man booth for it, perhaps just a cameo type appearance, or perhaps Brady, you know, in the studio role. So, you know, that part of it's still a little unclear. You know, certainly the Brady timetable as far as his playing career will dictate a lot of that. Yeah, and you got um, everything is now signed, sealed, delivered for the number ones. What's left in the musical chairs? What still needs to be filled? 
no pun intended, Phil? Well, the number two Fox team is sort of the one I think everyone's waiting on. You know, that was Burkhart and Olsen last season. And Fox really has a impressive stable of both play-by-play announcers and analysts, uh, all of whom, you know, have the credentials to slide into that role. Play-by-play guys, including Adam Amin, Kevin Kugler, Kenny Albert, Joe Davis, and then uh, Chris Myers as well with a ton of experience, you know, has, um, you know, as part of that NFL play-by-play side of things. And then on the analyst side, guys like Jonathan Vilma, Mark Schlereth, Daryl Moose Johnston, Mark Sanchez. So in-house, there's a lot of options. You know, certainly Drew Brees, you know, is still um, being rumored out there as well. So we'll wait and see on that number two Fox team. And as we mentioned last week as well, uh, still waiting on NBC's um, analysts for that number two spot with that additional playoff game that Al Michaels will be handling on the play-by-play side um, in that emeritus role for NBC, Um, you know, Conventional wisdom says that might be the same person who does analysis for Notre Dame football. We'll wait and see there. Um, So, yeah, you know, but finally, it seems like the musical chairs are slowing down in the NFL. All right. So that's NFL. Uh, Let's go to the NBA, which starts their finals uh, the day this drops. You should be hearing this on Thursday morning. If it's past Thursday, NBA finals Thursday, Heat, Celtics, got some news here. We've got also the play-by-play TV, radio. We had some interesting stuff with Game 7 we want to touch on. Also, ESPN2 is going to have an alternate broadcast. So, a lot of NBA stuff if they hit their finals in their 75th season, Phil. Yeah, a lot of NBA happenings, no doubt. Do want to just kind of reflect back on this past weekend. First, Game 7 of the Heat Celtics series. Mike Breen had to miss that game due to COVID-19 protocols, and Mark Jones stepped into that spot. Mark Jones, by the way, has been with ESPN since 1990. He has been around a long time and certainly, you know, is a pro who can, you know, handle these types of uh, situations on short notice. Jones was doing the radio call for that series. Mark Kestisher, uh, who's a familiar voice on ESPN radio, um, you know, not sure his exact travel schedule, but quick work for him because he did the whole um, Western Conference series and then made his way to Miami to fill in for Mark Jones on the radio side. So, you know, some nice hustle there on the ESPN uh, side of things um, to handle that. Um, Breen is expected back for the NBA finals. Um, so it'll be um, you know, of course, Breen, Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, Lisa Salters again for the NBA Finals. John Lewis Sports Media Watch had a great note um, in the in the case that Breen were to miss the finals for some reason. Hopefully, he'll be cleared in terms of all those protocols, and that's what everyone's expecting, of course. But the last NBA Finals game called by someone other than Breen, 2005 Pistons Spurs game seven. Wow. That was called by Al Michaels 17 years ago. So quite a streak Breen has going. And, um, but all indications are, you know, all systems go for the finals. And then on the radio side, Kestisher will handle the play by play. PJ Carlissimo and Doris Burke, the analyst, Monica McNutt, sideline reporter for the NBA finals. And, you know, as you said, Mike, uh, I know you've been taking a look at this alternate telecast that ESPN has planned as well. Yeah. By the way, I think the last time I remember um, 
was it Dan Shulman missed a, a World Series game? I think he had laryngitis or something, like in 2018 maybe. Um, other than that, I don't remember a broadcaster missing a game due to illness uh, to this level. I mean, Mike Breen, as you said, the voice of the finals for many people's childhood, first game since when was the date? First game since 2005. Wow, 2005. We have not had a voice other than that. Yes, uh, ESPN2 uh, broadcast, alternate broadcast, is called the NBA Finals Celebrating 75. It will focus on NBA history. It's going to be C.J. McCollum. He'll be on the broadcast along with uh, ESPN Sports Center host Michael Eaves, Tim Legler, Magic Johnson, Dr. J, and they will have alternate uh you know, like the Manning cast, they'll have rotating guests coming in throughout the game. So that'll be the on, on the ESPN2, which is interesting, Phil, uh, because uh, Magic was supposed to be a part of the uh, ESPN pregame. He only appeared in one game this year. They're going to get him for this alternate broadcast. Tim Legler, by the way, is a friend of our show. He lives in our area here in South Jersey. He does my show a lot. So he'll be a part of that broadcast as well. Very good X and O. And then they got Dr. J. So that's a nice little alternate broadcast for the NBA Finals ESPN2. I'm really excited about that, Mike. And, you know, back in April was one of my favorite telecasts of this past season. The Knicks-Nets game. I don't know if you if you caught any of this. They did an NBA 75 celebration game on ESPN. And, you know, they did all sorts of like retro graphics and looks throughout the game. You know, they literally like for each decade that, you know, they were using this, this original graphics and that kind of thing. They had great guests throughout the show, uh, guys like Marv Albert and Kareem and, and Bill Walton, Oscar Robertson, I remember came on as well. I mean, it was a, a great celebration of those 75 years of sports from the broadcasting side of things. So, you know, I think they, they had a, had a nice, you know, um, preview of what we might see for this alternate telecast. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so Mike Breen, uh, Marv Albert, um, are you a, a Marv guy? Are you a Breen guy? Who are you partial to with, uh, the NBA? I'm probably a Marv guy just yeah. because, you know, my roots are in the you know, 80s and 90s, yeah, no, no doubt about it. Hey, I liked uh, Costas a lot, too, on, on some of those those games okay. as well. Um, but, you know, it's, it's sort of a generational thing. You know, they say that the, the, the music you end up liking for the, your lifetime is whatever you listen to when you're college um, age. So yep. I'm kind of in that same boat. I had that, you know, a nostalgia for, you know, the – 80s and 90s. Yeah, so I'm Sirius XM Channel 34. That would be the alt-rock nation would be uh, where I'm at. Uh, I'm a 90s college guy. Uh, so, yeah, I I like Marv, but I, the, Breen, I think he has the right inflection for me. He gets it. Like Mark Jones, I thought, did an admirable job, but it's just not Breen. Breen has the right inflection. Bang! I love when he brings it in there. It just brings it up to another notch. So he was missed. I was listening to the game. Mark Kesterser, I caught a little bit of that on the radio. He does a very solid job as well. All right, speaking of radio, we got some radio thoughts on the NHL. They're um, on the conference finals. So the NBA is in the NBA finals. The NHL, my gosh, second round is over. Conference finals now. ESPN and TNT still in play. Sports USA 
has the radio broadcast rights of the NHL. That's right. Uh, Sports USA, who, you know, Mike, I know you've you've got a relationship with these guys, you know, who who provide syndicated, you know, live sports uh, throughout the country. Um, John Ehlers, uh, play by play on the West Series and John Forslund on the East Series, uh, that Ehlers team got started uh, with the Oilers Avalanche game this week. By the way, 14 goals in that one, so that's a lot of goal calls uh, between the broadcasting crews. But Darren Elliott was uh, the analyst on that game out west, and also Nick Olchick, who is um, Eddie Olchick's son, was the ice level uh, analyst for that one. So um, always interesting to catch out, uh, check out these sports on the radio as well. We've we've talked about that before, but um, great to see this kind of coverage for the NHL playoffs. Oh, Forslund. I believe, is uh, been doing this so long. He was with the Hartford Whalers going back away, Carolina, and I think he is now the voice of the Seattle Kraken uh, for their regular season games, now doing Sports USA on the radio. So if you're driving in your car, John Forslund uh, is the East, and who's doing the West? John Ehlers, Darren go. Elliott, and Nick Olchick. Good stuff. All right, we are one of the stations actually carrying – uh, the hockey conference finals around the NBA finals. So we have that on the radio as well. We're also um, looking forward to the TV broadcast because uh, ESPN and TNT down to the conference finals, and these calls have been great. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, the, the West Series, again, 14 goals in that first game. So, you know, plenty of goal calls for Kenny Albert, the you know, the lead play-by-play announcer, Eddie Olchick, the analyst, Keith Jones, ice-level analyst, uh, Nabil Kareem, the reporter. So familiar names there if you've been watching TNT hockey all season long. And then in the East, Sean McDonough, Ray Ferraro, analyst, and Emily Kaplan, the reporter for the uh, ESPN coverage. Now, speaking of TNT, Kenny Albert, uh, he is the guest last week on George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast, which you can get right here on the Sports Media Watch feed. Let's take a little little sample, a little tease of George's conversation with Kenny Albert. Great guest. I listened to it. Uh, I, I encourage you to subscribe and uh, listen to that conversation with Kenny Albert, TNT. Here you go. 15 years with Eddie, who's one of my favorite analysts uh, that I've ever worked with. I've worked with over 250 color analysts in the various sports, and I do keep a list. And, and many of them I've only worked one game with, and a number of them I've worked for over 10 years. So it really runs the gamut. But uh, Eddie's one of my favorite people. Uh, watched him during his playing career. Uh, have had the great fortune to work with him now for a number of years. Here's Strollman across the line for top. A story that you, you didn't know about Eddie, it, it involves me as well. Hmm. When I was growing up on Long Island, I was a huge hockey fan. I played hockey. I wanted to broadcast hockey. And in 1984, uh, when Eddie was 17 years old and played on the U.S. Olympic team, um, I was a big autograph collector back then as a kid. And for some reason, I decided to write a letter to one of the players on the 
U.S. Olympic team in, in late 1983, early 84, and somehow I picked Eddie Olchek. And he wrote back, and I still have the autographed picture. I was 16, Eddie was 17, and in 1984, he actually sent me an autographed picture from the 1984 uh, U.S. Olympic team. And then, uh, what, 30, 37 years later, we wind up broadcasting the Stanley Cup final together. Do you realize how much that would fetch on eBay? Uh, you know what? <laughs> One of my most prized possessions. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure I'm giving it up that yeah. much, but uh, I'm sure it would. Get the full conversation. Tell me a story I don't know on the Sports Media Watch podcast feed. And uh, George and Kenny Albert right there. Speaking of real quick on Kenny Albert, uh, he's on TNT. That means Sam Rosen has it in his contract that when Albert's not available – he does the radio games. That's how bad he wanted to be a part of the broadcast. So Sam Rosen will be the local radio with Kenny Albert on TV. But 250 partners he's had. But him and Olchek, uh, really good job. Yeah, Albert's just a sensational uh, announcer, no doubt about it. I mean, he's got experience in pretty much every sport imaginable. And you, you see him across, you know, NFL, uh, MLB, NHL, uh, NBA games, you name it. And what got my attention in the podcast, which I encourage everyone to, to listen to, because there's some amazing storytelling, uh, literally stories you, you never have heard before from Kenny Albert. But, you know, as someone who has experience in the role of statistician, Kenny was the youngest ever statistician for the New York Rangers at age 14. He was doing statistics for his father and uh, certainly a fast track in terms of learning you know, uh, the broadcasting trade when you're in those kind of roles and those sorts of situations where you're working hand in hand with the play by play announcer as a statistician. And then after he started his career, he had what I would consider, you know, maybe the the ultimate statistics assignment, which was traveling with his father, Marv Albert and Mike Fratello to cover the dream team in 1992 as the talent statistician for those two guys in all those games. So um, just awesome stuff for Kenny Albert. I couldn't recommend the podcast higher. Yeah, I'd listen to it. It was great. By the way, so you've done the, you know, the statistician stuff. When I was in college and I did the play-by-play, my stat guy, he would literally write on a piece of paper and rip it and hand it to me. Is that how you guys are doing it at that level? Um, rather than ripping off the piece of paper, it's usually the, the post-it notes, gotcha. you know, are kind of the preferred method. There's, a, there's other tools of the trade. Certainly things have changed over time. And, you know, we're thinking back to, you know, putting myself in Kenny's shoes, 1992 for those dream team games, uh, you didn't have live stats on a computer. That's for sure. So you were doing the statistics by hand at that point, perhaps receiving a box score, at the end of the half or something like that, that you could kind of cross check things. But a lot of the work was more, you know, pen to paper, you know, keeping up with the statistics literally on the spot there. And then the other part of the job, which people might not realize is you're on a headset talking to the production truck and keeping them honest and working with the graphics people to come up with, you know, ideas there as well. But it was really cool to hear Kenny with that background. And it kind of makes a lot of sense if he started as a statistician, you know, why he's so, you know, uh, prolific as a play-by-play announcer, it certainly goes hand-in-hand. I'll tell you what, he sounds way more like his father doing hockey than I think he is in football or basketball. That sounded like Marv on that call from the Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast. So go listen to it. We encourage you. It's on the Sports Media Watch podcast feed, as is 
the Announcer Schedules podcast, which we are in the middle of. We're going to keep going here. Let's get to Major League Baseball. Speaking of a familiar voice, a familiar voice, probably should have never have left, was back on the national scene. One of my favorite baseball play-by-players, Phil, was back. Uh, and tell us about it. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, Mike. Uh, John Miller, you know, the voice of Sunday Night Baseball, that team with Joe Morgan all those years, um, you know, roughly 20 years or so, That's that was a regular staple on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN, 1990 to 2010, I believe was the run for those two. And John Miller came back on the national side of things this weekend. We've been talking about that Peacock package on Sunday mornings, and John Miller filled in for Jason Benetti for the uh, Giants-Reds game. It was John Miller, Barry Larkin, and Sean Estes, and uh, just awesome stuff to see and hear John Miller back on a national call. You know, he's been doing work with the San Francisco Giants, you know, all these years as well. But, you know, just, you know, I I have a lot of fond memories. We talked earlier about kind of nostalgia and what you grew up with, but John Miller's uh, top of the list for me. Yeah, he's, uh, is I think he's on the radio side, KNBR in San Francisco. I actually have a call that I want to remind people the voice of John Miller. So I'll cue that up here in just a second so that everybody, that if you forgot John Miller, it didn't catch him this weekend on Peacock, he had a tremendous call in that game. Uh, Jock Peterson hit a bunch of home runs in that game. They came from behind. And this is kind of just to give you a little, little reminiscent of John Miller. Here you go. Second, the pitch. Crawford hits a ground ball into left field. Base hit. Can he make it? Cannon charges. Here comes the throw. Here's the slide. He is swing. Ruff scores. The ball game is over. Incredibly, the Giants come back, and they come back again. And now they have won it. There you go, John Miller. If you forgot his voice, there you go. Great uh, inflection on the safe in there. I didn't do it any justice. All right. Uh, but that was uh, John Miller. Missed those Sunday night baseball crews. He was back on the national broadcast. And what was it? Barry Larkin and Sean Estes, I think you said. That was the crew? Yeah, that was the crew. Once again, you know, what Peacock's doing is bringing in one analyst from each team. So Barry Larkin representing the red side of things. Uh, Sean Estes, the Giants. Okay. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Uh, Motorsports, huge weekend, Super Sunday. You chronicled it last week how this was a huge weekend uh, for the motorsports, and uh, we had uh, Monaco, Indy 500, the Coca-Cola 500. And did it ever deliver in terms of a Super Sunday for motorsports? The grand total of motorsports coverage starting at 7.30 a.m. with the pre-race show from Monaco and ending in Charlotte, North Carolina, the Coca-Cola 600, which ended at 11.49 p.m. in terms of the checkered flag flying. Post-race show ended at 12.10 a.m. So we're talking a grand total of 16 hours, 40 minutes 
of motorsports on television on Sunday. You had Monaco. Monaco was kind of a strange deal. There was all sorts of weather delays, which usually doesn't happen in Formula One. They actually run rain tires. So usually they can run in the rain, but they push back the start of the race several times, uh, you know, over an hour delay. So that kind of pushed things back there. Um, they replayed the Monaco broadcast on ABC later in the day. That actually filled in a little bit of time between the Indy 500 and the Coca-Cola 600, where there wasn't necessarily live racing action, you could have switched over to ABC. But, you know, most headlines were focused on the Indy 500, you know, of course, and just an enormous crowd on hand for that one. And, you know, the, the broadcast was excellent, in my opinion, on NBC and just a, a lot of fun to, to take all that in. Um, do want to mention Dale Jr., Dale Earnhardt Jr. You know, he was alongside Danica Patrick and Mike Tirico. And what was interesting there, you know, NASCAR and IndyCar are two very different sports. Um, you know, it's there's so many differences between the two disciplines of racing. And Jr. was really able in a humble way to, you know, give his insight on what was happening out there on the track, but also kind of, you know, bring it to layman's terms as well. So I thought that was effective. Also want to give a shout out to Marty Snyder, who was one of the top pit reporters for NBC. That's a tough job. Those guys contribute a lot. Uh, Marty Snyder, Kevin Lee, Dave Burns, and also Dylan Welch. You know, it's not your typical sideline reporter type role. These guys are providing analysis as well throughout the race and, and really giving a lot of uh, insight what's going on down there not to mention it's a difficult victory lane um, winner circle interview situation that marty snyder handled you know at the indy 500 they've got the milk and the wreath and in all these pomp and circumstances and that has to be timed perfectly not only for the you know, huge uh tv audience but also for all the people in the stands there and then that brought us to the coca-cola 600 in you know one of the longest races in history, over five hours long, 18 cautions. This thing just felt like it never ended. And, you know, hey, Mike Joy and Clint Boyer, Jamie McMurray, Larry McReynolds, the whole crew, um, they sounded fresh, you know, come the, the five-hour mark. And that's not easy to do. So uh, a kudos to them as well. And one last shout-out, Vince and Dylan Welch. Um, Vince Welch, a lot of people know that name. Uh, he's been around a long time as a motorsports reporter, also does some, you know, what folks in racing call ball and stick sports as well. Uh, Vince was the pit reporter for the Coca-Cola 600 on Fox. And his son, Dylan Welch, made his Indy 500 debut for NBC. Uh, he has a up and coming broadcasting career. And so that was really cool to see, um, you know, Vince in particular seemed very proud of his son to have worked that Indy 500 earlier in the day and then Vince doing his thing that that evening. But just a wild day of racing, um, a lot of fun. And I'm sure race fans and, and certainly those involved in those broadcasts and in those races on site are still catching up on rest. There you go. And uh, hopefully we are efforting the possibility of hearing some uh, motorsports voices here on the announcer schedules podcast. So. Uh, come back for that at some point. We will again. We'll have some interviews with some top play-by players, local, national, color analysts, sideliners, all that stuff. Here's episode two. We've got that real quick uh, on the soccer side, Phil. It looks like man. I don't know how much Premier League you're watching, but Arlo White, who's been there 
forever, it feels like. Um, he is going to be replaced. And a little controversial conversation, I guess, uh, in that world. Uh, it's uh, the World Soccer Talk reporting that NBC will bring Peter Drury in as the new voice of Premier League coverage, which is like a shock to the system. People know White. He is the play-by-play voice for the Chicago Fire of the MLS. And Drury is the play-by-play voice for the Champions League on CBS. So the soccer world getting kind of flipped upside down as Arlo White, longtime voice, looks like uh, will no longer be doing Premier League stuff. So I know the soccer fans are very partial uh, to to who their announcers are. They bring it at another level. Yeah, big big news there, and obviously a huge audience that those guys uh, you know get to commentate in front of. Uh, the report initially reported by the Daily Mail newspaper in, in London, and uh, that would, change would take effect at the start of the next season uh, this August. Okay, so let's get a couple of our favorite calls from this past weekend. There was a whole heck of a lot of stuff happening, you know, Memorial Day weekend. And, Phil, we'll start off, as you just kind of mentioned, uh, the motorsports was having their big weekend, and let's start it off with that. This is and always will be the greatest spectacle in racing. This is the Indianapolis 500. The field already spread. Scott Dixon, the pole man, will lead them into turn one. There you go. That's the start of the Indy 500. Yeah, Lee Diffie, the play-by-play announcer who handled that uh, Indy 500 call. And having been to a couple of Indy 500s myself, both as a fan and also as a member of the media, that isn't easy just because of the amount of electricity and excitement all in one place. I mean, we're talking over 350,000 people, you know, crowded around. Um, Obviously, a ton of buildup. And now here we come around the corner, turn four, heading into, um, you know, the start of the race. And, you know, certainly Diffie, I think, did a masterful job there of, you know, not getting too nuts and excited or anything like that. But, you know, just bringing the audience to that start line and getting this thing going, but also showing that excitement of, hey, this is huge, and what an audience we have on hand for this. Okay, that's the start of it, and now let's take, take a listen to the finish of the race. Two in the front have won the Indy 500. There is two and a half miles to go. And O'Ward is on the attack. Here comes Pato. Erickson won't let it happen. Phenomenal driving from both men. I don't know if O'Ward's going to be able to gather it back up. That might have been his big chance. They exit two and go to the back stretch. Erickson leads by five car lengths. Erickson has shaken off the challenge of the Aaron McLaren SP. In real ball driving. Crash turn two. out. It'll finish under caution. It's Sage Karam. Marcus Erickson with the spirit of Ronnie Peterson on board with his helmet joins Kenny Brack as the only other Swede. Marcus Erickson wins the Indianapolis 500 in the most dramatic way. You want to talk about mental fortitude. Think about what this driver just went through in the last 10 minutes. 
leading easily. Red flag comes out, has to restart. There you go. That's the uh, start you heard before, and there is the last lap of the Indy 500. Lee Diffie, once again, the, the play-by-play announcer, his analysts were Townsend Bell and James Hinchcliffe. You know, what's what's interesting there to me is how the analysts really assist the play-by-play announcer in this sport, you know, more than you might see in other sports where it's kind of straight up play-by-play and versus color commentary. You know, uh, the analysts noticed the caution further back in the pack in the yellow flag flying, and he quickly interjected, you know, to make sure – Diffie and the audience knew exactly what was going on and when, and then Diffie, you know, brought the call, continued to bring it home. And then also, you know, we spoke about it on the last podcast, this idea of kind of letting it breathe. And, you know, the uh, production team mixes in that radio communication with the race winner in his, you know, uh, pit box and things like that. So really nice job, um, kind of an all hands on deck effort there. Uh, for the Indy 500 NBC crew. All right, so uh, we'll transition to some a couple of other calls. We'll go over to the hockey because these playoffs have been bonkers. They've been some amazing calls. We're now into the conference finals, but these were the calls that ended these Western Conference finals. Let's start with one in Denver, 92.5 Altitude Sports Radio. Man, 10 seconds to go. Johnson over four. Logan O'Connor. Helm holds shoots. He scores! He scores! He scores! Darren Helm with 4.9 seconds to go in the third period. Darren has taken the helm, and he's about to take the avalanche into the Western Conference Finals. Kids, hard work pays off. Darren Helm is the example. Finally rewarded is the fourth line for the avalanche. They've had an unbelievable game all night long. They've been great all night long. They deserve what they got, and that's a lead with 4.9 left, and this building is clearing the heck out. There you go. Uh, Under five seconds, and Colorado beats St. Louis. Corey McGahee on the play-by-play, Mark Mosier on the analysts. Uh, You know, it's a different deal when you're calling it for the home team radio, and, you know, it's it's often kind of a, a discussion, I think, amongst announcers, you know, what's the appropriate level of, of fandom in that role. But I think these guys did a great job. You know, certainly most everybody listening to that is an avalanche uh, fan and um, just great to hear the excitement. Yeah. With, with that little time on the clock, you know, you, you got to bring it up a notch, you know, to, to celebrate that goal. Right. And then uh, the other Western conference, second round, we have Edmonton taking on Calgary. We're tied in overtime. AM 630 Edmonton. Softly to the far corner where Hannafin's first on it. McDavid created a turnover for a dry side inside. McDavid, his shot scores! Connor McDavid has won the Battle of Alberta for Edmonton! 5 4 in overtime! Leon Dreisaitl with a great reverse pivot off the half boards, and McDavid hopped into the seam, and he beats Jacob Bergstrom, and the Edmonton Oilers improved to 5-1 and one all time in the Battle of Alberta. They played the number three defensive team in the NHL. The Flames averaged 2.51 goals against per game. The Oilers scored 25 goals in five games in this series. Leon Dreisaitl in on 17 of them, and McDavid with the GWG in OT. There you go. Uh, that is uh, Jack Michaels, the play-by-player 
uh, on the radio there uh, with that call, and he gave it to you hard there with the score in overtime. I love how he threw in the battle of Alberta there to kind of show you how impactful it really is uh, to that section of the country there. Yeah, outstanding. You know, once again, you you love hearing, you know, just the the emotion come out. You know, these guys have been through these these long series, been through a whole season with this team. And, you know, to have that kind of uh, payoff, you know, you'd love to hear it come through in the broadcast. And it sure did there. So uh, we'll try to get one final one here. Let's see if I can uh, pull this up. We've got uh, something that doesn't get a lot of, um, you know, a lot of exposure, which is the lacrosse championships here. And uh, ESPN, was this ESPN 1 uh, or the Deuce? It was on the mothership, ESPN. All right, so this is uh, ESPN. Let me see if I can get this here. See, uh, I do have uh, – I don't know that I'm going to be able to get the actual call, but who was the play-by-player that brought us this call here? Uh, Anish Shroff. Okay. Uh, he's handled the the play by play for NCAA men's lacrosse championships for quite a few years now. He's he's been around ESPN um, for for several years. I've had the pleasure of doing some statistics works with Anish. Uh, he's just a joy to to work with, and a lot of college football, college basketball experience. Recently, was named the play by play voice for the Carolina Panthers NFL radio network. So you'll hear him do Panthers radio as well on Sundays. He's based out of Charlotte. You know, ESPN has an operation there as well. How about that? Uh, it's funny that you say that. I was just texting with a Panthers player this morning asking who uh, does their their television play-by-play. And, uh, oh, there we go. I think I can get uh, this call now. I got it loaded up, ready to go. Let's take a listen to the call as Maryland wins the men's lacrosse championship. The Terps can taste it. Higgins to Fairman. The final 10 seconds. A season for the ages and a team for all time. I kind of like how he closes it out there. A season for the ages. Kind of like a Jim Nance ending the Masters there. uh, And a team for all time. Well done. Yeah, great stuff there from Anish. His his crew, by the way, who, again, have been doing it for several years. And these guys have... A lot of lacrosse uh, experience and expertise. Uh, Quint Kincenich, who you know a lot of folks know from from college football on ESPN, and also Paul Carcetera, who also is a sideline reporter for ESPN College Football. I do want to give a shout out to the women's lacrosse broadcast as well, which was the day before, also on ESPN. And hey, ESPN, uh, I want to give a hat tip to their management, given some of these sports in NCAA, you know, more airtime and more coverage. The same applies to what you've been seeing. From softball, even college baseball, getting more and more airtime on the the bigger networks. But the women's lacrosse championship, Boston College, North Carolina, uh, was this weekend as well. Jay Alter, Sheehan Stanwick Birch, and Dana Boyle were the crew for that one. And Westwood One covered both the women's and men's lacrosse uh, championships as well. So you know, some great coverage for that sport, which is certainly an up and coming sport throughout the country. Speaking of up and coming sport, last week I mentioned tech ball. One of our listeners need to get me who was broadcasting Omega Ball. Did you see this? Omega Ball soccer in a circle with three goals, three teams all on the field at the same time playing in a circle. Whoever was broadcasting that, his head had to be on a swivel. Three teams going at one time. One of our listeners, let us know who was broadcasting Omega Ball. I think this was on FS1, if my memory serves, but – uh 
that was a, a wild game to try to keep up with. All right, that's bringing us right to the end. Uh, October 8th, real quick, we mentioned on the last show, Phil, that Alabama-Texas A&M game. What information do we have on that? Yeah, you know, I, I was able to look up because we were wondering when that ESPN contract with the SEC kicks in, and that starts in 2024. So all signs point to CBS, you know, having that big Alabama-Texas A&M game on October the 8th. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah, you know, it, it'll be fun, and it'll be here before we know it, college football. Yes, indeed. And uh, we've got a couple birthdays with some big names as well and a couple retirements. Yeah, Brent Musburger celebrated his 83rd birthday. Again, another one of those voices from, you know, my youth, uh, Mike, no doubt, you know, uh, all those years with CBS and also ABC and ESPN. Oh, he's still Happy doing Raider. 83rd. He's still doing Raider games, correct, on Compass. That's correct. Um, based in Las Vegas now. So uh, happy birthday to Brent Musburger. And also want to give a happy retirement to Mick Hubert, longtime voice of the Florida Gators. 33 years, over 2,500 Gator football, men's basketball, and baseball games. Gene Deckeroff, who our buddy TJ Reeves has worked over the years on the Tampa Bay Bucks broadcasts, uh, he retired from Florida State radio uh, after several decades working with the Seminoles. So both these longtime Sunshine State college football voices retire in the same year, Mick Hubert for the Gators, Gene Deckeroff for the Seminoles. That leaves Joe Zagaki, who is the voice of the Miami Hurricanes, as the new dean of Sunshine State college football play-by-players. Well, there you go. We fit almost everything in. Was there anything we've missed before we get on out of here? We hit football, basketball, baseball, hockey, motorsports, soccer, Omega Ball. Yeah, hit a lot. But I do want to circle back to what we started the show on the top with, which is Greg Olson. And one of our Twitter followers, Armand Brody, had a question. He asked, who was the youngest analyst to ever call a Super Bowl? Because Greg Olson will be 37 years old come this Super Bowl Sunday, which certainly is quite young, you know, in terms of, you know, these broadcasters getting these big roles. And Olson, you know, started as an analyst during bye weeks when he was a active player on Fox and worked alongside Kevin Burkhart this year. And as we mentioned, he'll be the analyst for the Super Bowl on Fox this season. So went down a little bit of a rabbit hole to try to figure this out. And to the best of my knowledge, here's what we came up with. Troy Aikman, by the way, he called his first Super Bowl in 2005. He was 38 years old. Uh, that was Patriots Eagles in Jacksonville. If you remember that one, Buck Aikman, Chris Collinsworth. So a three-man booth. Pam Oliver and Chris Myers on the sidelines on Fox. Joe Theismann in 1985 as an active player called Super Bowl 19. He was in the booth in Stanford Stadium in Palo Alto for Dolphins Niners along with Frank Gifford and Don Meredith. However, there's one other announcer, even younger, Jack Kemp. Jack Kemp called Super Bowl II as an active player in 1968, wow. that was Packers Raiders in the Orange Bowl in Miami. Ray Scott was on play-by-play. Pat Summerall, one analyst in, in active Jack Kemp, who was quarterback for the Buffalo Bills at the age of 32, was on the CBS call. So unless someone can do some research to find someone younger than Jack Kemp, 
That answers the question. Jack Kemp, the youngest all-time analyst to do a Super Bowl, and Olsen certainly, um, you know, in, in recent years, you know, the, the youngest coming up here at 37. Well, there you go. If you have questions, uh, you can always uh, tweet at announcer Skeds, and uh, Phil will do the research and find you the answer anytime you guys want to uh, ask questions or interject, engage. We love it. Like, subscribe, share, review the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google. You can find us on the Sports Media Watch podcast feed. John and TJ will have their show drops on Wednesday. George, tell me a story I don't know. On Tuesdays, announcer schedules this pod on Thursday. So you get three pods for the price of one feed. Free. Everybody, all you need to do is subscribe and uh, they'll get it sent right to you, and the little alert will go off and let you know, hey, Mike and Phil have a new show out. Let's hear what's happening. We have some uh, great plans down the road. Uh, we'll have some guests, some play-by-players are coming up in the near future here. We think next week we might have our initial guest here on the show, so make sure you come back for that. And uh, we've got a whole heck of a lot more planned for announcer schedules here, the podcast on the Sports Media Watch uh, podcast feed. All right, Phil. It's uh, I think we fit about as much in as we can. I think it's time for us to get on out of here. Sounds great, Mike. Look uh, forward to the next one. All right, Phil. Take care. We'll be back next week right here on the Announcer Schedules podcast. Have a great rest of your week. Mm-hmm.